Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and we are about to get into another episode of the Talking Metal podcast. I can't believe it, man. We are approaching a thousand. Can you believe that? A thousand episodes of this thing will happen sooner than later. This is episode 929, and I want to encourage everyone to join me on Patreon because that's where all the content goes up. A lot of it exclusive just to that Patreon page. Not all of it, but a lot of it. And it's like a central place you can get everything I'm doing. You can also check out markstriegel.net. Mark Striegel, M-A-R-K-S-T-R-I-G-L dot N-E-T. That's also kind of a central place where you can get all my my content. Of course, you don't get the bonus Patreon content on that unless you're joining me on Patreon with a $2 a month pledge or more. And uh, we just had a new guy join us. He gave us $5 and I just mailed the T-shirt off to him. He lives in Estonia. So 16 bucks to mail it over, not bad. I was expecting it to be more, but my offer holds. Anywhere in the in the world, folks, you do a $5 a month pledge on Patreon, I will mail you that Talking Metal t-shirt. If you quit two months later, I lose money, but I don't care. I got the t-shirt out to you and you can do that, man. That's 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 fair. You can so technically anywhere in the world you can get a Talking Metal t-shirt for $5. It just requires you to join me on Patreon with a $5 a month pledge. When we get to 100 patrons, we're at 51 right now, I will give you a bonus video show every two weeks, highly produced. It's not me talking into my iPhone. It's highly produced video show that will happen every week thanks to the people on Patreon once we hit 100. So let's, let's do this. Here's who I want to thank. You can always hit that fast forward button if you don't want to hear me mention all 51 of my supporters on Patreon. Here we go. All right, this is it. This is the guy I sent the t-shirt off to over in Estonia. And man, it's a it's a tough name for us dumb Americans to pronounce, but Kai Kaido Jugvi or is it Yugvi? I think it's Yugav Yugava. Yugava? Jugga Jugava? Judgeva, I don't, I don't know, man. I will get it. I'm gonna keep trying. People are writing in, telling me how to, how to pronounce it. So, I'm gonna go. Is it Yugava or Judgeva? Judgeva. Let me know. All right. Anyways, thank you for your support, man. And you will have your Talking Metal T-shirt, size large, in Estonia. I hope sooner than later. It was mailed from Maplewood, New Jersey, today. Adrian Kuzik, thank you. Dane Damage, Madison Hatter, Seth, Seth B, Alan Jensen, Hank Reeves, John Simpson, Huckney Jacobson, John Barron, Ed Ferguson, Denny Striegel, Pat Sabin, Jerry from Salt Lake City, Blue Walsh 21, Victor Guzman, Glenn Watson, Joey Van Cherry, Gene Eugene DX, Sean Richmond, Mario Charance, Andrew Miller, Jeremy Weltman, Chris Riley, Johan Erdström, Steven Rodriguez, 
Tommy Anderson, Gregory Muse, Kenny McCrimmon, Leo Shaben, Brad Dahl, Dan Gurwan, Victor Ruiz, Jerry from Long Island, Sam Soupy, Drake, Matt Carroll, Joe Ryan, Jason Seth, Stephen Saylor, Ron Keel, Jean-Francois Blas, Anthony Mackey, Jason, uh, J- James, James Bennett, David Gray, Fred Rutz, Michael Street, Mike Jones, Steve Hoker, John Bovari, and Metal Dan, the longest running guy. He's been supporting me since July 10th, 2017, Metal Dan. Man, you rock, Metal Dan, and all you guys rock on Patreon. Let's get into the episode. All right, guys, I'm just, uh, my, my son's talking in the background, unfortunately. I, I told him he's got to get out of his room because he's been sitting in his room playing video games and he never leaves his room. And I tell him to get out of his room and where does he come? He comes, sits right next to me and plays video games right next to me as I'm trying to record a, an episode of Talking Metal. So you might hear him in the background. The dog is here, but it's all right, man, because I'm in a mellow, mellow mood because what did I just do? I just ended my weekly meditation class with Jeff Pilsen. And the first half of the class is like yoga. So you get some good stretches in there. And then the second half is meditation. And like, I'm, I'm yawning right now, man. Cause I'm like, I'm still like relaxed and happy and, and ready to go, go to bed, quite frankly. Uh, Jeff, again, he is the bassist in Foreigner. But I mean, and I, man, he's rocked me so many times playing with Foreigner. But of course, us, old schoolers know him as the co I almost said co-lead vocalist because his vocals were so prominent in Dokken but that's not true he was the strong backing vocalist of Dokken he's the Michael Anthony of, of Dokken but more so than that because he was such a primary songwriter in Dokken too and of course went on to play with so many great bands and so many different projects and, and just I mean the stuff he does nowadays the output musically is incredible but let's not forget he played with Ronnie James Dio which is really freaking cool so Man, I, I love Jeff Pilson's meditation class, and it's a virtual thing, so you log on once a week. If you're East Coast, it's at 8 o'clock. If you're West Coast, it's at 5. You guys should join me, man. It's a lot of fun, and if you need that info, just hit me up on Twitter. I'll get it to you, um, or you could even send me an email at mark at talkingmetal.com, and I, I only check that email account like once every few days, but I when I do, I will get you the info on how you can sign up for Jeff Pilson's meditation class. It is awesome. Yeah, and not to mention all the records that guy's produced, right? I mean, he's just as much a producer as he is a bassist or songwriter. All right, so we got my... We got my buddy Muncie on, who sent Emily and I some really cool shirts. And we are talking rock with him. We're going to talk, you know, Lemmy, Dio, Overkill, Body Count, L.A. Guns, Angve, Johnny Cash, Black Sabbath. Man, we, we have a great conversation. So stay tuned for that. He runs a company called Skateboard Marketing. He's going to tell you about that company. And what else? What else? And we're going to, yeah, and talk with Muncie. That's pretty much it, guys. I did want to mention that I ran a poll on Twitter. And I wanted to go over the results of that poll with you guys. So the poll was basically four of my favorite bands. I decided that I'm all people are always like, well, what's your favorite band? And I can never decide. 
man, because I just, there's a handful of them that I just love so freaking much. So I, I put them out there on Patreon to see if I could get you guys to help me. Not not on Patreon, I'm sorry, on Twitter, on Twitter. So it was, a, you know, anyone could vote on this. And guess what? We got 484 votes. I think that's pretty good, man. 37 comments, 50 likes, nine retweets. Thanks, guys. Thanks to everyone who participated in this poll on Twitter. And so the poll was... For my favorite bands. I wanted you guys in, in Tweetville out there to tell me which one is best. And you did that, and man, was it close. I tell you, I was watching it. It was like a two-day poll. The stuff was going neck and neck. The bands were Kiss, Iron Maiden, Ozzy Osbourne, Metallica. Now, I wanted to say Ozzy, including Sabbath, like his his work with Sabbath, but I, there weren't enough characters for me to put that on there. So... I just put Ozzy Osbourne, so I guess it was up to the person voting to decide if that included his body of work with Black Sabbath or if that was just um, Ozzy Osbourne solo. You know, Sabbath is a tough one, too, because if you put Black Sabbath up, I mean, all those horrible records Tony Iommi did after... Ian Gill- the Ian Gillen Born Again record. I mean, there was just a collection of bad records he put out for a long time. That would really drag down the Sabbath legacy, in my opinion. So I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, we, we'll get Sabbath in a poll. But anyways, I, I don't know. I'm going off uh, off topic here. The, the voting, again, was Kiss, Iron Maiden, Ozzy Osbourne, whatever you want, with or without sabbath that's up to you metallica okay so who do you think won any guesses i'll give you a minute to think about it think about my fan base i i would have thought it might be kiss because there's a lot of crazy kiss knuckleheads out there that listen to my podcast but iron maiden wins 33 percent of the vote to iron maiden 21.5 to kiss ozzy osbourne only getting 16 percent of the vote Oh no, disgrace for Ozzy, man. And Metallica coming in with 29, almost 29% of the vote. Yes, so again, Iron Maiden the winner, followed by Metallica, followed by Kiss, followed by Ozzy Osbourne, according to the people who follow me on Twitter, which you should do. It's at Talking Metal. That's my Twitter account. Same thing for my Instagram account. And uh, yeah, so... Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I love that. That was that was exciting. I loved watching it. At one point, Metallica was winning, and then Maiden crept up, and all sorts of great comments from you guys. So, you know, Steve Hoker saying, Ozzy. Wow, Steve voted for Ozzy. Good, good for you, Steve. One of the few, I guess. Uh, Ozzy. Metallica is close, but you could argue that without Ozzy, there would not have been the other three bands. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I could see that argument. I don't know. Maybe there would have been Kiss, but I don't know. Yeah, I hear exactly what you're saying. Juan said, Maiden is always the answer. Thunder Ace VA. Why do I know that that Twitter handle? Uh, could you have made this any harder? It is harder, right? It is hard. That's a hard question, man, to, to pick between those four great artists and, and bands. It's, it's definitely tough. A- anyways, uh, a lot of fun doing that. And then the other thing we did is on Patreon, we had a poll that involved voting on four albums that I love. And those albums were Blizzard of Oz by Ozzy Osbourne, Ride the Lightning by Metallica, Power and the Glory by Saxon, Sound of White Noise by Anthrax. And we had, let's see, I have 51 supporters on Patreon. Only 22 of them voted in this poll. But here's how it breaks down. 
Blizzard of Oz won by Ozzy Osbourne with 11 votes. Ride the Lightning by Metallica came in second with five votes and tied for third place. Power and the Glory by Saxon and Sound of White Noise by Anthrax. There you go. And yeah, I, I don't know. For me, Ride the Lightning was such an important record in my life, but so was Blizzard. And I, I just love Power and the Glory. I mean, but I, me voting, I would it would be between the Metallica and the Ozzy record. I'm not sure. That's why I let you guys decide for me. So anyways, I invited all the patrons who took place in the poll, and even if they didn't take place in the poll, to come talk with me on Zoom and discuss the album, Blizzard of Oz. And we did the first of two Zoom meetings for that. The next is happening on Thursday. So if you join me on Patreon in the next you know, day or so, you could actually attend the second of those two meetings, which then I will turn into a podcast and you will hear yourself here on this podcast talking about the great record Blizzard of Oz by Ozzy Osbourne. So I'd love to hear from you guys. I'd love for you to support me on Patreon and be a part of Talking Metal, Talking Metal history, right? <laughs> That'll probably be the next Tuesday episode, a discussion on Blizzard of Oz. And now let's get into a discussion with Muncie from Skateboard Marketing and let's find out what skateboard marketing does and then let's talk rock with him and hear some of his great rock stories. This guy has worked with the best and the greatest and the coolest heavy metal artists around and he is one of the coolest guys around for sure. We love running into him at shows and he is... uh, he is the man, Muncie from Skateboard Marketing. Thank you for the shirts, Muncie. Check out Emily and I on the Talking Metal Instagram, my Instagram, wearing the Skateboard Marketing Dickies shirts that he sent over to us. They're really badass. He should sell them because uh, I think they, I think people would be buying them. They're, they're that cool. All right, here we go. Muncie from Skateboard Marketing and me, Mark Striegel. It's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and I wanted to take some time out to talk to a friend of the metal community, a friend of mine, and congratulate him on 30 years of hard work and service to our community, to our bands, to our lifestyle. Muncie from Skateboard Marketing. Congratulations, man. 30 years of skateboard marketing. How are you, man? Dude, thanks for having us on, Mark. It's really cool. uh, I feel blessed tonight. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I feel blessed that the metal community has had you for 30 years this year. And A, thank you for sending over the amazing shirt to Emily and I. We're going to both be wearing them and putting pictures of them on social media. It's a skateboard marketing, awesome embroidered shirt. It looks just incredible. But let's talk about skateboard marketing because it is 30 years. And to some of my listeners throughout the world, they might not know you. In the New York area, we always see you at shows and a lot of the fans and the, the people in the business know you because we see you. But what do you do for bands? Let's talk about what skateboard marketing does as a company. Well, you know, we're predominantly radio promo. So when you look at the structure of a record company, you have publicity, which obviously everybody knows is ink and television online. You have digital, which is streaming services and stuff, but you also have radio promo, which is a big part of the food chain for 
the entire industry. Ironically, it does kind of really get overlooked amongst the uh, the publicity because publicity usually sees most of the glory. Whereas with radio, we cover all the commercial and syndicated radio shows nationally, as well as college radio. And college, you know, college stations are a very big part of promotion, especially when you're dealing with a new developing artist and its artist development. Because with a brand new band, nobody knows who you are. So, you know, obviously you have to create the brand, you have to create a fan base. And the only way to do that is by getting airplay wherever you can get airplay. And in a lot of times, you know, that's why you see record companies and artist management put a big emphasis on college. Because, you know, the, the versatility of college radio gives the programmer the opportunity to play whatever they want. They don't have to deal with corporate. They don't have to deal with a consultant or somebody saying there's too much growl. Play something with name notoriety. You know, they don't really care. They're going to play Cannibal Corpse. They're going to play Amorphous. They're going to play, you know, At the Gates or whatever it is they want to play just because it's cool. And that's exactly what we as promo people need. We need an outlet for us to take most of the artists that we get to work and uh, expose them so that, you know, fans that actually listen to a lot of the smaller shows at college and especially the biggest shows at commercial, you know, whether it be like Sirius XM Liquid Metal or The Shark in Long Island or KISW in Seattle, it doesn't matter. You know, there has to be an outlet for the artist to be heard. So that's kind of what we focused on for, you know, the last 30 years since I was a label guy for Polygram Records. You know, we did the same thing there. It was just a little bit easier because, you know, obviously you have the major label clout, which gives you a little bit more, um, a little more juice with a lot of bigger stations to get on a newer band compared to a smaller label that just signed a new artist. And at that point, well, you know, you, you, a lot of times you're taking what you can get to build that buzz and make the, and create the fan base. Right on. And how hard is it for you to get through to radio stations? I mean, I'm so sure sometimes it's easier and sometimes it's harder, but have there ever been any cases or examples you could share where there was a band you really believed in, but maybe some of the radio people were initially resistant? And how do you, how do you work that angle? Well, you know, radio programmers are, you know, everybody is different, okay? Some programmers, you know, they just live for the gig, you know? I mean, it's their life, and, and that's all they want to do. And, like, they'll call me three, four, five times a week to tell me that they absolutely love my record. And it's great. At right. that point, it's like, hey, you need giveaways? Oh, you want to do an interview? The band's coming through. Let's do an in-person. I put them on the guest list. You know, you do have some programmers that, you know, they're just pretty tough to reach. And it's not because they're being difficult. It's just because they have a lot on their plate. You know, and in some cases, you know, the cat who does the metal show may actually be the promotions director or the music director for the station. So they have to work to select their clocks. You know, they have to deal with all the media based stuff. They have to deal with programming and they set aside one or two days a week to take their music calls. So in that, those cases, you know, great. Email's great. It's a, it's a good tool for me to use for email, you know, for that. You always have those one or two that are just tough to reach. They're on at 3 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday or a Wednesday. They show up, they do their show, they play what they want, and they go home. 
you're always going to have one or two of them, but for the most part, a good 90 to 95% of our stations, you know, that we have, and we have close to 400 stations nationally, you know, they're pretty, they're, yeah, they're pretty easily accessible. And, uh, you know, the few that are, you know, at some point they're going to have to call us because we have something they're going to need and we're the only outlet for them to get it. Right on, right on. And when it comes to college radio, what are some of the, the biggest metal college radio stations? I mean, I think I could probably name a few, but I want to hear you, you say it. Um, in, in today's world, what are some of the biggest metal radio stations, college stations? You know, in today's world, it's still WSOU in South Orange, New Jersey. I mean, they've been, they've been the lifeblood for this format since 1986. Right down the street from me. I'm in Maplewood, yeah, right next to you. You know, and, and the beauty of it is the stations got stick in the tri-state area. So I actually can pick them up in my car and I'm in Nassau County and I can pick them up in the car. A little fuzzy in the office, but it's great. And that's all I listened to all day until we got satellite. Um, you know, there's WREK in Atlanta and they're absolutely huge. And, you know, there were 40,000 watt college station wow. for the four hour metal block. You know, KXLU in Los Angeles, they're, at, you know, they're another one that's pretty large. You know, WUSB in Stony Brook, they're pretty big. And, you know, then there's a handful of community public and NPR stations that, uh, that have metal shows. And if you look at community and NPR, well, predominantly NPR, it's all jazz and classic. But there are a few that have metal shows. Really? Wow. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a couple. There's only a handful. And if you notice, the beauty of it is most of those stations are 50,000 watts and they're all in big markets. So, you know, they have a market cube that's just massive. And, you know, personally, I don't care if three people hear it or 30,000 people hear it or 3 million people hear it. You know, it's a growing process for the band. The band really needs the, the band needs to be heard. And if we can get three people to buy tickets and merch and then buy the album at one of the shows or stream it on Spotify or Apple Music, you know, we did our job, you know, because now we created and we created three more fans. They're going to go tell their friends, their friend, one of one of those three, three friends are going to like it. They're going to go tell three people. And eventually by word of mouth, that's how it grows. And dude, if you remember when we were coming up, how was it? All word of mouth. We didn't have internet. We didn't have anything, dude. You know, right. we looked at Cream Magazine, a circus magazine, you know, and there was the stuff in the back. You could send away for like demos yeah. and all the other stuff for like three bucks. And that's what we do. We're like, this looks cool. Let's send away for a demo. Now you have the Internet. You can find it in five seconds online. And, I, and it's, it's, a, it's a good, good tool to have that, you know, exposure and visibility because fans can find their favorite bands pretty easily now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's been so many great bands that you've worked with through the years, but to throw a couple names at, at you, just to hear if there's any stories or you want to comment at all, let's let's start with the the great late Ronnie James Dio. You did some work working his his music for a while. Did you deal with him personally? Yeah, I dealt with Ronnie personally. I mean, when it came to interviews or anything from the business side, it always went through management of the record company. And that's just standard protocol. But, you know, I knew Ronnie personally and uh, I'd schedule stuff. 
And after he did some interviews or anything else that we had, he would always pick up the phone and call me. And he called me Peppers. That was my nick. That was that was my pet name to Ronnie Peppers. And he would call me and he'd tell me, "Yeah, everything was great. We're uh, we're all good. I'll talk to you soon." <laughs> you know. But you know, my, my favorite memory of Ronnie is God when Heaven and Hell played. We um at um at Radio, Radio City. City. Yeah. Yeah. We uh. The day before, we took two cars down to a record store in Jersey for an in-store. And when we got back, you know, both of the SUVs, well, it was limos, actually. Both of the limos pulled up, and Ronnie gets out because he was in the lead car, and I was in the rear car with Tony and Geezer. And uh, Ronnie held the door open for a couple of tourists. Oh, wow. That's great. One of the tourists said to him, oh, are you the doorman? And he goes, yes. he goes, where's your uniform? He goes, oh, I'm, I'm just getting into work now. I didn't have time to change. I'm going to go put it on now. And held the door for a whole bunch of tourists walking into the <laughs> It was just, it was, it was just funny because they had no idea who he was, you know? Yeah. Wow. What an awesome story. And yeah. just the fact that he'd even hold the door for them to begin with just speaks of, of the gentleman that the guy was. It, it, amazing. But what about Overkill? You have a long history with these guys. We had Bobby Blitz on recently and he was actually talking about you. But what 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 do you remember? Let's go back to the earliest memories. Um, you know, I interviewed Bobby way back in the Lemoore's days when I was in college radio at WQCC. And, um, you know, it was great. He was at the bar. It was after the show. He was he was drinking at the time and he was a little banged up. And it, yeah, it was OK. It was cool. And this was like 1986, 1987. Wow. And when I, I started the company after I left Polygram Records in 91, and in like 92, I called Bobby, you know, because it, Megaforce was going through Atlantic Records. So I called Bobby and I said, hey, dude, listen, uh, we're working the new record. And he goes, yeah, who are you? <laughs> right. He goes, oh, I remember you, you know. Yeah. And it just, it kind of just flashed back to the days of, you know, the old Lemoore's days where there was just a much debauchery and uh, more than debauchery going on like everywhere. And uh, we kind of developed a great relationship. Now, me and Bobby are really good friends. You know, we talk pretty often and, you know, we talk about like hot rods and motorcycles and other stuff. And when we go to the city, you know, usually we'll walk down the street. And we'll just go to like go somewhere for lunch. And nobody has a clue, you right. know, like it's actually Bobby Blitz from Overkill. He is like the thrash metal icon for the last 35 years. People actually don't even realize some fans don't even realize who he is, you know. Right. And we'll sit in a restaurant and he'll tell him he's, you know, tell him he's an elevator mechanic or something. It's pretty funny. Right. <laughs> Bobby, great guy. And uh, I want to talk about Motorhead, too, because I know you've done some work with them. Any any Motorhead stories or memories you could share with the listeners? Yeah, we started working with Motorhead in 93 when the uh, Bastards record came out and uh, management had put us kind of on a in-house retainer so that we pretty much have handled everything for them since 93, as well as most of the reissues that are coming out now through Silver Lining and uh, BMG. And BMG did a couple of the box sets, you know, and Silver Lining just put out, you know, live in Berlin. And uh, there's going to be some more stuff coming. And, you know, if you can imagine an iconic legendary band like Motorhead had never had a number one record in America ever. 
ever. Right. And then finally, we got them a number one record here on the radio charts. And uh, I had called Lem to tell him, I was like, yeah, Lem, dude, we finally did it. We got a number one, a number one record for Motorhead at radio. And he was like, oh, really? Bastards. And he hung up the phone. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do it. Now, I don't think it was in a facetious manner. It's just that was just Lem. Right, you know? right on. You know, the band never got any respect. And they're iconic to the format. And, you know, if you look at Motorhead fans, it's a lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not only a lifestyle, but it's something that people actually live by. So to him, it just, this is my lifestyle. This is what we do, you know? Right so, on. yeah, he was, uh, he was definitely a character, but he was actually a teddy bear. He was a really nice guy. And I miss him every day. Absolutely. Every day we miss him. Absolutely. I mean, the list of bands that you have worked with is just immense from Exodus, Death Angel, Soil Work, Ozzy Osbourne, Sepulturus, Soulfly, Iron Maiden, Monster Magnet, Metallica, Megadeth. But let's let's talk about Body Count. Any oh, yeah. yeah, any stories you could share about Body Count? No, nah, ironically, those guys are all about the business, you know. I mean, they get on stage, they, they get to the venue for a show, crew sets up and, you know, Ice and Ernie and, and the rest of the guys, they are all about, all right, we need to put on a great show. This is what we need to do. You know, so those guys are all about the business and making everything as perfect as possibly can. And after the show, everybody kind of just chills, you know. You know, I mean, it was just funny that I ran into all of them. Uh, at the uh, the luggage carousel at the airport in uh, in Los Angeles, you know, for oh, one wow. of the name shows. Yeah, I, I I literally got off the plane, and walking in front of me was Ice, Ernie, and Vinny. <laughs> wow! You know, I Vin- yeah, I saw all three of them. You know, and I just you know, so we all stood at the luggage carousel in Los Angeles, maybe about five six years ago. It was pretty funny, you know. Yeah. You know, people were just coming over to the guys, asking them for their autographs and their photos. And yeah. we were just like, All right, let's get our let's get our stuff and get out of here. You know? Right. But I mean, Ice-T, I mean, he's a TV star at this time, at this point in history, a massive TV star. But he still continues to do body count, which to me just shows you and me that he, he must love the music and love the art that he does with that band. Yeah, he's uh, you know, if you look at Ice, he's a pretty smart dude. I mean, he's actually more than smart. He's super intelligent. He knows how to look at something. He knows he looks at the angle and then he knows how to work it and play the system. And that's stuff that, you know, you really only learn that growing up on a street corner, you know, somewhere in Brooklyn, you know. Right. And, and you know, I mean, it was it's that kind of versatility that he learned as a kid growing up that enabled him to be so successful in his career. Right on. Right on. Yeah. He's a smart dude. And speaking of careers, I mean, you've had just an incredible career and I know it might be hard to pick just one, but could you share one of your career highlights with us? Uh, yeah, actually, this is going to sound really crazy, but there's two. The first one was when I was 24 years old working for Polygram Records and uh, I finally got my first gold record in the industry, which was L.A. Guns, Cocked and Loaded. Oh, nice. That's yeah. a good one. Oh, dude, I got a special place in my heart for L.A. Guns. I've worked with the guys for years, but it was my first plaque that I ever earned in the industry. And uh, 
I was 24 and I just walked around the office getting pictures with everybody with a plaque. But what do you right. do when you're 24 years old? You know, I mean, we all do that. It's uh, it's it's kind of cool. And uh, the second one was actually my first tour as a label guy. You know, the our local guy from New England, Joe, had come down to New York to do national. And at about 5.30, they called me into the office, the corner office, and said, all right, there's nobody to cover radio promo for all the stations in the Northeast in New England. And Ingve uh, is going to be up. He's on the road with Ronnie Dio. And I was like, yeah, I know. I'm going to the show when they get to New York. And uh, they said, well, you're going to have to go pack a bag, meet the tour bus at the Parker Meridian Hotel at 9 a.m., and just cover radio for the Northeast, for Providence, Boston, uh, Portland, and um, and Connecticut. I was like, all right, great. They said, when? Tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Right. And I was like, oh, oh well, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, can I go now so I can go pack? <laughs> right. <laughs> I was wow. like, dude, I'll go home right now and pack. And I was up at 6 o'clock the next morning. I was in the city at 7.30, standing on the corner of the Parker Meridian with coffee in my overnight bag. Right. waiting for the tour bus and to me that was like a dream come true i'm like holy shit dude i'm like going on the road with Igbe Momsey to ronnie james <laughs> you know yeah absolutely like and then you know as we were leaving the hotel after the first show in new haven we're all like the, you know we left the hotel we got all the gear and another tour bus pulls up behind us and i'm walking out with Ingve, and and everybody's like oh whose tour bus is that and Johnny Cash walked out of the tour bus right behind. <laughs> oh my gosh. So we were like, Ingve's like, hey, that's Johnny Cash. I gotta <laughs> go say hello to him. And he was like, getting and he ran over to go introduce himself to Johnny Cash. And there were all these like 50 and 60 year old women standing at the hotel at like one o'clock in the morning waiting to get autographs. It was pretty funny. <laughs> wow, that is amazing. What a great story. Ingve yeah, and Johnny uh, Cash. Johnny Cash. And I was like, wow, now that's pretty damn cool. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. So you're an industry insider. And I know my wife and I, we always see you out at shows. When do you expect shows to truly kind of return full force? Are we looking at this fall or do you think it's going to be this summer? What's your predictions? Uh, I'm saying this summer, we already have shows that are announced. And there's tours that are happening in most parts of the country, with the exception of New York, New Jersey, and California. And most of the dates that we have, that we got uh, are all starting in uh, the end of July and August and running through the fall and the winter. If you go to skateboardmarketing.com and go to the tour dates page, we pretty much list everything that we have coming uh, that's there. And, you know, at least in my opinion, like this whole COVID thing is over. It's done. People are vaccinated. Stuff is done. Life's Good to hear. Normal. You know, and, and, and I'm, we're trying to plan a 30th anniversary show. And uh, if you remember, we did the 25th at Webster right. Hall with right, Blind right. Guardian and Gravedigger. So we're trying to do something. And the same thing, just have our endorsements and our sponsors sponsor the bar for like two or three hours for an open bar, private party. Wow. And open the doors. And uh, so far, everything that we're looking at in September that's coming in is happening. And I'm pretty psyched about it. I'm very psyched. Yeah. 
Awesome. Awesome news. And please keep me posted on that. I want to be there for sure. It sounds like a lot of fun. Listen, you guys, you just, uh, once, once there's the announcement, you see that all you got to do is call me and I'll put you on the list, brother. I'll take care of you guys. Thank you, Muncie. And before we let you go, who, who are you working right now? Who's, who's kind of getting you excited music wise at the moment? Well, right now we're doing the Black Sabbath Sabotage reissue. Oh, nice. Super Deluxe. Uh, there aren't any bonus tracks. It's pretty much the standard eight tracks off the record that Rhino put out. Uh, we're doing the new Atreyu record, which I'm real psyched about with Atreyu. Definitely. You know, we've worked with them before and, and you know, they're, they're good dudes. We got the new Flotsam and Jetsam, you know, Sweet. and dude, oh, dude, did you listen to Blood in the Water yet? Uh, I have not. No, I have not. Oh, yeah. okay. listen to the new Flotsam. I will. Um, I will. You know, we also got the new Ailstorm on Napalm, which is, you know, Ailstorm is Ailstorm. It's going to do great. Uh, we have a single by a band called Mercaset, which features Mark Hunter from Camera. Oh, cool. So, yeah, dude, that's actually pretty chill. And uh, we have the Motorhead, the Live in Berlin, which is doing super well, too, and the Marty Friedman. Right. You know, so we got some, yeah, we definitely got some stuff. And, you know, there's more stuff coming down the pike on the schedule that uh, is announced. And then there's other stuff that isn't announced yet. But yeah, dude, we've been pretty busy. Good, good, good to hear. And we hope to see you in person at a show. My wife and I, we went to our first show in, you know, over over a year, just a couple weeks ago at uh, the SOPAC Center in South Orange. So it was good to be back out. Yeah, Jordan Rudis did a, from Dream Theater, did a a solo show. So it was great. It was great. I didn't know about that. Well, the next one coming up for us is on the 12th at the uh the swine in brooklyn okay cool and, uh, jason leckberg is playing with his new thing well jason from achilia okay. his new band they're playing a show there um i think it's limited capacity but uh you know i'm sure there's going to be walk up people aren't going to show up and they're going to just let people in and it's going right. to be a good show cool. yeah so you know maybe you guys want to come out and we'll throw down a few drinks and yeah have some- it sounds great it sounds great i'll check with the wife and and uh, let you know for sure but muncie great seeing you and great talking with you thanks for sharing some stories with our talking metal listeners and we will hang soon one way or the other definitely mark dude thanks for having us on i really appreciate it brother and thanks for the shirt both emily and i will be wearing it proud for sure always <laughs> Big thanks to Muncie for joining me on the Talking Metal Podcast. Thanks to all the patrons for making this show happen. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash talking metal. Somebody stole the URL for a while and I had to get my lawyer involved, my copyright lawyer guy, and get the URL back. Can you believe that? But anyways, we got it back. And there's only one Talking Metal and this is it, man. There's, There's... You know, me, John joins me sometimes. Emily is my wife, so obviously by by default, she is a part of the Talking Metal podcast, and I know you guys love hearing from her. But besides us three, there's no nobody else is Talking Metal. I mean, John and I own the trademark. So if somebody out there on YouTube or somewhere else is claiming to be Talking Metal, let me know because I own the tra- I own the trademark along with John, and we will uh, set that straight. And I paid a lot of money to 
co-own the trademark with John and thank God we did because we had a troublemaker on YouTube and he's now gone so he changed his name to like Metal Talk or Talk Metal or something something stupid but there there is uh, you know and uh, listen Talking Metal is stupid too so uh, I'm not claiming it's the greatest name ever but uh, that's the name and I'm sticking with it All right, talk to you next time guys <laughs>